Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. You made it to Saturday. Congratulations. It was a long week. Oh my gosh, with the time change. I know all of you were drowsy and tired and you probably had a lot on your plates with the holidays coming up, but we made it, folks. We're going to get through the weekend together. I've got some hard workers here today. I've got George on the phones. I've got DeMarco on the board playing that jazzy music. And I would love for you to be part of the show. We're going to have a lot of time for calls today. 404-872-0750. It's green and growing right here on your Saturday morning. And guess what? I'm here for all three hours. Yeah, we've got uh, Georgia Bulldogs football today, but pregame and tailgate doesn't begin until 1130 and then kickoff in Knoxville, that city of Orange. That is at 330 as the Bulldogs travel to play the Tennessee Volunteers. So that's a house divided in in my home. Uh, My home office I did as a surprise to my husband one weekend years ago when he was out of town and I picked like a neutral gray. So the home office is in gray And I was like, how in the world do you put red and orange together in the same room? Like, those colors don't even go together. So I have a whole wall that's red dedicated to Georgia. The other three walls are gray. And then he just gets, like, orange trim around the doors and windows. And I thought that that was fair and balanced. Um, But we have all of our college memorabilia and sports stuff in that room. And that's my favorite room in the house. But today is not necessarily my favorite day in college football because we have to be Kind of hateful to one another. But, yeah, so 3.30 kickoff, the dogs in Knoxville. And, guys, we still have plenty of weeks of college football to go because we're guaranteed to go to the SEC championship game that first weekend in December and then a playoff and then perhaps, perhaps, perhaps the national championship. So we may have some football all the way into January. I love it. 404-872-0750 is the number. So it's been a busy week. It's been a tiring week. Um, I've had to take a nap almost every day, and I'm I'm not even that old, but just to adjust to the time change and all of the things going on. Um, but a busy weekend for me, really excited, and I was honored. I mean, I was just tickled to death to be invited to speak to the Ansley Park Garden Club, actually our neighbors here at WSB. What a wonderful group of women. About 40 ladies showed up to the house yesterday, and from what I understand, that was their first time gathering back together since COVID. A lot of them hadn't really been Uh, together in anyone's home for a year and a half and of course we were safe and distanced and all of that but uh, that worked out really well they were able to do some events outside with each other but not necessarily like their monthly meetings so that was a great pleasure to get to speak to them about uh, shade gardening and pruning and you know I won't give away my whole presentation and my whole talk to the Ansley Park Garden Club but what I did say about pruning And these are uh, wise words, very wise phrase from uh, Dr. Alan Armitage, you know, uh, professor emeritus at the University of Georgia in the horticulture department, author, prune back after flowering. I was like, that's it. That's my pruning talk for y'all. Now let's move on to shade gardening. Um, And really, that is a good rule of thumb. And I thought we could start there. Most shrubs, anything like that, that flowers, 
right as you prune it back, when it's when it's finished flowering, you're not going to risk the next year's buds and getting less blooms and all of that. But Walter Reeves reminds us too, right now, of course, not, nothing's really winding down flowering per se, but he reminds us not to prune a whole lot right now, shrubs and all of that, because anytime you prune a plant just kind of as a stress response, it puts out new growth. And that's usually what we want it to do, whether we want it to become fuller or just, you know, increase in size or whatever. And so with the chances of cold coming up, that new growth is going to get snapped by the cold, uh, the frost coming up. So that's probably not wise to prune now. And you don't want to be anyways. I mean, I think the garden is kind of going on low maintenance right now. So that's good. But talking about things that you may still be seeing uh, blooming, crazy azaleas. I actually had a picture um, from Deborah Green over at 97.1 The River and a producer for the Mark Aram show send me this small compact shrub with one white little flower on it. She's like, what is this that's still blooming? And it was azalea, Encore azalea. So many of you may still be enjoying that. Some white blooms, some purple, some pink. Um, Thanksgiving cactus. Oh, wow. I've really, really enjoyed seeing pictures of folks' thanks, Thanksgiving cacti, I suppose I should say, um, starting to bloom right in time. And of course, we'll get a Christmas cactus. I'll explain the difference in those later. And then an Easter cactus. Yeah, there's like three different kinds and the differences are so subtle, you would barely notice them. And there are still some endless summer hydrangeas that have the big mop head, the big blue blooms on them. And how cool is that? I mean, my mom's just beside herself, doesn't really know what to do with them. Um, my panicle hydrangeas, the ones that bloom, you know, later in the year, they're starting to turn brown and kind of crunchy, but they still have a really cool look to them. So whether you've got the mop heads, the blue or the panicle, limelight, something like that, I think it's a good idea to cut those stems. They make really cool arrangements in the house. And you've heard our meteorologist, Christina Edwards, maybe talk about, you know, a little bit of a chance of um, frost coming up anyway. So whatever's still in bloom, make it safe inside the house. Here's some notes about endless summer hydrangeas. Uh, they're remotten, and I don't know if you've heard that word remotten, but that means that they rebloom. They bloom multiple times. So kind of an overwintering checklist. This may be a good time to think about this with your endless summer hydrangeas if you're afraid of losing them. They're pretty sturdy. You won't, I promise. But number one, don't fertilize. Don't fertilize anything right now because nothing's really going into active growth. Um, maybe some of you are putting some fertilizer on fescue lawns. That's okay because they're, you know, we just put some seed down. But otherwise, general rule of thumb this time of year, don't fertilize. Number two, don't prune. Don't prune those endless summer hydrangeas. Now's not the time. We don't want them putting on new growth. Uh, number three, water. We had a good rain on Thursday, but generally water until the first frost. And then just let it go dormant. Let it shut down, do its thing. Number four, insulate with mulch. And that, that goes for a lot of the things you want to protect. Mulch, shredded leaves, pine straw, anything that you can pile on there. And number five, bring the potted ones in. If you have an endless summer hydrangea on your balcony at the apartment, the patio and the deck, maybe bring that into the garage and kind of keep it protected. So there's there's my uh, my thoughts on that. 404-872-0750. Let's go ahead and take a call. We've got time to talk to Richard in Marietta. Welcome to the show, Richard. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. What's going on? I have a close to 40-year-old crown of thorns plant and i really don't want to bring it in the house like i do every year but i can't it won't survive the winter i've got it in the garage right now which is enclosed can i leave it in the garage for the whole winter 
and water it and all that. It gets sun and everything, or do I have to bring it into the house? No, I think it's going to be fine in the garage. I mean, the garage temperature probably may drop as low as, I mean, 50, right? It wouldn't get super, super chilly. You have doors? Yeah, it's it's enclosed. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's going to be fine. Okay. Yeah, and it does, you know, I mean, it does pretty well inside, um, but as long as it's getting the light, the sunlight that it needs, and you water a lot less, you know, in the wintertime, but that should be okay. Okay. Oh, good. I'm glad I could give you some good news there. Uh, my back, my back and my arms, thank you. Oh, yeah, no kidding. No, and I have been talking to, you know, some gardeners who are tired of that dance of bringing things in and out, and one of those... I guess it's a furniture mover, but it's the really low um, dolly type thing, you know, and it's just got four railings, really four wooden railings. It's got the wheels on it. Right. One of a lady told me that is like a lifesaver for her. That way she only has to pick the pot up maybe, you know, five inches off the ground and she can even fit two on that thing and just kind of wheel that furniture mover around. It works better than a dolly because the ledge on the dolly is only so, so deep, you know, and pots are a lot deeper than that generally. So invest in one of those. But in this, in this case, keep it easy on you. All right. Well, yeah, it's 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 survived quite a for forty years, which I'm surprised. That's so. incredible. And for folks that don't know what that is, Richard, tell us what is a crown of thorn plant. It's a African tropical plant, which by the name has thorns. So if it gets to be large and you have to pick it up, it's like getting a vaccination quite a few times. <laughs> it, it flowers. It has leaves on it, and it has red flowers. And the interesting thing is if you, when you prune it and if you don't dispose of all the stuff, the limbs, you pick a limb up two to three months later, you will get stuck. Oh, gosh, yeah. So you've got red flowers. I've seen other colors, but there's like multiple flowers all in one cluster, right? uh, Sometimes different areas go like that because I water it and I put it out in the sun and I talk to it. I kick it every once in a while, the pot, because <laughs> it's like 60 to 70 pounds to yeah. even try to pick up. And then you got to go over the, the ledge of the porch and into the house maneuver. But the garage is perfect. Wow. I love that, Richard. Well, thank you so much for the call and good luck. You're not going to mess it up this year. I have faith in you. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh. And you and your staff have a wonderful and safe holiday season. Thank you, Richard. You too. What a good call to start off the show. And let me tell you, thanks to Google... I can tell Richard and others in Thailand, it is said that the number of flowers on the crown of thorns plant foretells the luck of the plant keeper. So Richard kicks it. He keeps it in line. I think he's going to have some pretty good luck. It has. If you can keep a plant alive for 40-something years, you are a good gardener. 404-872-0750. Time to take a break. Check on that traffic red alert and weather update. And we'll be back on 95.5 WSB. Those smart speakers, they're pretty smart, but your radio dial is too. Glad you're here on a Saturday morning. The weekend weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Sunny today and tomorrow. Highs in the mid-50s, lows getting down close to freezing. So that's why we have that frost advisory in effect. Just be careful. So something that I did a couple of months ago, uh, saluting branches. Went out to the Marietta National Cemetery and hung with some uh, Georgia arborists. Saluting branches, a nonprofit organization dedicated to 
uh, recognizing and honoring the veterans. And the way they do that is volunteer tree and landscape care for the properties dedicated to veterans. I want you to hear a little bit about that, given that Veterans Day was just two days ago. Very special annual event going on here today. Tell me what this is about and what these volunteers are doing today. So in 2015, this started as a national program throughout, now it's 40 states. There's 67 national cemeteries being touched. And over, since 2015, there's been 11,000 arborists involved who have basically donated about $11 million worth of services back to the national cemeteries. I see a lot of professional equipment here. I see a lot of workers here today. I can go around and kind of get a feel for what different tasks everyone has, but what overall are we doing for the cemetery today? It's a lot about safety um, and aesthetics and cleaning up the trees. We are constantly looking to help and give back to the trees and the people and keep these places very nice. A lot of people use the cemeteries as walking grounds and just coming out for a sense of beauty. And so if we can help them and keep the tree health up, that'll really go a long way. And Raymond Dan with the Marietta National Cemetery, so grateful for the work these arborists did on this day. Uh, Saluting Branches is one of our incredible partners. What they do is they come out here and help us care for the trees, which is, is a very large task at hand for us every year. Especially for Marietta National Cemetery, it's a historic Civil War era cemetery. Uh, so a lot of these trees are very historic, mature trees, and the work that they do helps us preserve them. Days like today, you've got your community around you, you've got partners around you, and you have people that just show how much they care. Um, you look forward to seeing people out here trying to do what they're doing today. Hey, I'm Christy Bryant, the owner of Speaking for the Trees. Today I am saluting branches by being out here to make coffee and give everybody cold water. Being the president of the George Arborist Association, it's important that all these guys that are coming and giving their time feel appreciated. Hi, I'm Justin from Bartlett Tree Experts and I'm here saluting branches, supporting our climbers. I'm Summer Price with Arborgard Tree Specialists. I'm saluting branches by Deadwooding Trees. Have you been to this event before? No, this is my first time. So far, I love it. It's really exciting getting to work with different people from different tree companies and coming together to do something that clearly hasn't been done in a while. I'm Candace Bohannon from Covington, Georgia. I work for Arbor Equity. We're out here today at Saluting Branches, doing some tree preservation on these beautiful pecans, oaks. I'm just taking care of them. It's a very re rewarding experience to be here, and I'm glad that we get to do this every year. My name is Chappie Wheeler. I'm with Sweetwater Tree Service. I'm saluting branches by cleaning up the trees and taking the deadwood out. I'm Seth Hawkins. I'm a community forester with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Today I'm saluting branches by helping the arboricultural community care for the trees in this space because what better way is there to honor people that we love and miss than to plant and care for the trees for them. And this is a neat volunteer opportunity that happens once a year. Do you have to be a professional arborist to come? No, we accept any volunteer hours. Anybody that wants to come and participate. Um, we've before in the past just had veterans that know about it that want to come because they want to give back. We can piece them in with the professionals. There's 18 different tree companies working side by side today out here. So there's a lot of camaraderie in the tree industry and we really boost that on days like today. It's the one day we can volunteer and give back to our veterans and their families. And I'm a few days late myself, but thank you to all of our veterans. What a beautiful way 
to um, really keep that space sacred for folks and families that visit that cemetery. So proud of the work a lot of the members of the Georgia Arborist Association do. You heard some familiar voices in that piece as well. Christy Bryant, Seth Hawkins have been on the show. GeorgiaArborist.org if you want to get in touch with a certified arborist in your area. Back to calls in just a minute. We'll talk to Traffic Trooper Ultimate Truck Driver and hopefully you. 404-872-0750. It's Ashley Frasca on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, back at it until 9 o'clock this morning. Good morning, it's Ashley Frasca. It's Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. We'll get right back to your calls. 404-872-0750. But I reserve this part of the show every Saturday for our friend Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. It's like if you walked into a restaurant, there's a nice white reserved card on the table, and it's just for you. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> this for me, just for our listeners, one or the other. Right. Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you? Very are you? good. Thank you for coming back and sharing your knowledge. Yeah. We had a great conversation about the weather and the frost last weekend. Um, so obviously temperature change and season change, Walter, yeah. is on our mind. And uh, last month I talked to Greg Legacki and folks from Trees Atlanta. And we were talking about the chemical makeup of of things and why actually fall was a good time to tackle some of the invasives like privet and oh, yeah. kudzu and ivy uh, for whatever reasons with these chemicals like brush be gone or brush killer or whatever they work and are more effective uh, for these plants to take in in the fall. And, you know, after manual removal, this is a good option to kind of knock them back a little bit. It can be associated with the color change in trees leaves now too. You know that the way the reason for tree leaves to change colors, they have green chlorophyll on for almost all the year. On the trees, that's green chlorophyll is what we see, green leaves. Then when fall comes and the tree gets signals to, to change and to drop its leaves, the first thing it does is to move the chlorophyll back into the tree trunk, into the roots, leaving the red anthocyanins or yellow parasitoids and the other pigments that were hidden by green during the summer. What that tells us, too, is the tree, if there's any chemicals on the leaf of the tree, they would be drawn back just like the chlorophyll was. We don't want to kill trees, but we sure would like to kill privet and privet hedge if you put these weeds on, you mentioned weed be gone, weed killer, brush killer, things like that. If you use it now, you'll get much better control than using it in the summertime. Now, we want the leaves to be dry, you know, when you apply something like that. Does it have to be in the sunshine? Does that accelerate the process at all or not really? A smidge, it doesn't really matter. Hmm. I said, what matters is get it on the plant. The tree, the furthest the shade of the sun is um, shining on the leaves. It's not going to matter that much about absorption. So what kind of weeds are we tackling right now? What are we thinking about in terms of lawn weeds that we don't want? Broadleaf weeds. If you use a, a selective weed control like Weed Be Gone, you can kill dandelions and chickweed sprouts that are coming up. And by the way, they're coming up my lawn right now. Uh, other broadleaf things can be taken out of the grass now before they even mature, before they even have a chance to mature. 
So broadly squeeze is what we're looking to control in the fall. And we loved talking with you and Clint Waltz maybe back in September. You know, our friend Clint from the University of Georgia, the turf grass specialist there, works on the Griffin campus. We talked about pre-emergent and like September 15th, if not before, you know, the earlier the better, applying right, this pre-emergent right. to your lawn because the, the weed seeds do have to begin the germination process before that kicks in, but it kicks in early in the stages so it can get to the weed early. But are you telling me that here in the middle of November... We didn't miss our window? You know, I don't think you'll get 100% control for your pre-emergent town in November, but you could get 70%. I think you get 70% control of the seeded weeds that come up from seeds in the fall if you put the pre-emergent down now, even in November. So even if you think you missed that September window, go ahead and put a pre-emergent out. That's fantastic. I mean, like I told someone that emailed me a couple of weeks ago about it, is it too late to put a pre-emergent on my lawn? And I said, you know, better late than never. But it's yeah, not going to be as effective, but that is good right advice. Here. Okay. Exactly right. It won't be quite as effective as it would be otherwise at the right time. But I think putting the pre-emergent down could still give you good control that uh, you'll benefit from in the spring. And is that safe now in, in the middle of November to still use on warm season and cool season, even though that warm season turf is starting to go dormant? Yeah, anyway. Read the label, of course. Make sure it's labeled for the turf you're using it on and follow the label directions. But, yes, you're correct yeah because honestly even though the warm season lawns like bermuda and zoysia are on their way into dormancy the weeds aren't the weeds don't go dormant necessarily so the chemicals still going to be right yeah where we were talking about chickweed again is one that i think of most but there's also henbits and uh, dead nettle and a couple more that are broadly weeds that can be prevented can be controlled with pre-emergent put down before the seeds germinate many of the seeds have not germinated yet so let's get it down now and don't wait any longer. You've been doing this for 30 years and you have some great references and resources that you've always used. And over time, I'm sure you have almost every weed identified and memorized. But whether it's a book or whether it's somewhere online, what are some of your really good go-to resources, Walter, for weed identification, especially the common ones here in Georgia? Yeah, over the years, on my own website, WalterReese.com, I have collected pictures of yeah. weeds just to sort of remind myself what they are. And on the search line, you put weeds with pictures, those three words, weeds with pictures oh, on my okay. search line on my website. It'll take you to a page that had all these different references of pictures of weeds. Pinterest, too, if you had a Pinterest account. Do you have a Pinterest account, Ashley? Gosh, that's one that I don't have, no. But I, I, I'm oh, sure well, it has I'll some good that. resources. Well, I just go, you're going to miss Walter Reed's Pinterest account, which tells oh. about how to control weeds. I got pictures there of individual weeds and a link to how to control them. So I figured, why not put on Pinterest too? So <laughs> you could look there for pictures of weeds. There you go. And I love, like you said on your website, WalterReeves.com, I found some really helpful when people are comparing weeds that look similar, you yeah. know, and they get them confused, yeah. but they're different. One of the best pictures I remember you posted, it was three weeds that if you're just looking in the yard, they look the same, but you posted all three side yeah. by side by side. And it's like, oh, they really are different. I think it was like Creeping Charlie, Dollar Weed, and Dichondra and how similar they yeah. are, but really side by side, how different they are. They sure are. If you identify the enemy, let's say, if you identify the thing you're trying to you control, if you know what you have, it's so much easier to decide what to do about it, whether it's just something you can pull up and not worry about, or whether it's something that will take the spraying to get rid of. Yeah, 
Oh, absolutely. Weed control now, we did discuss, uh, not too late to put a pre-emergent down. As we said, better late than never. you got to water that in as well or put it down right before maybe a a light rain, you know, not something that's going to pour and and move everything into the sidewalk and run off into the gutters and all of that kind of thing. But broadleaf, post-emergent sprays and things like that, we could still be kicking around the yard using those things if necessary. Or kicking around a pasture or something, because it was the edge of the woods, you have blackberry vines going to get under control, or in English ivy on your own property. If you have English ivy, there'd be good times to spray English ivy to keep it from spreading and going any further. Speaking of English ivy, I had an article let's see, a couple of weeks ago now about a guy who said, I have cut every darn vine of English ivy on my big tree, <laughs> and they're still green. Oh. And he said, is it possible for English ivy to root into the bark of a tree and oh. live there and not be connected to the ground? Hmm. And I said, my friend, eventually it will happen. Really? They may live a long time, and then they'll be weeks and sometimes months after you cut the, cut the main stem of the English ivy. The rootlets that they have that connect to the tree, they collect moisture sometimes. The English ivy will use that moisture to live, but the English ivy eventually is going to die. And I said, you better believe it. It will die. It just won't die quickly. My goodness, that stuff. And honestly, I've got a huge patch of it now that has grown exponentially over the 10 years we've been in the house. And now on the opposite side of the house where there is no English ivy and there's another house and a fence... I see tiny little new sprouts. I mean, just like one over here, one over there of English ivy. So that stuff's being transferred somehow. I pulled that out. Where, I mean, like, where, I almost, where do those come from? Ashley Fassler has a question. Where do those little bitty sprouts come from? I love our bird friends, our feathered friends, but that's yeah, what I'm thinking. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm you're thinking. absolutely right. Uh, Have you ever seen English ivy flowers or English ivy berries in the, in the vine? Yes, the the vines on the left side of my house have definitely gone to flower before, almost like white firework looking flowers, and it's oh, very look at pretty. You. you have seen them. Yeah, it's look very pretty, you, but Fessler. but oh, that's the only time it's pretty. <laughs> A lot of folks have not seen English ivy flowers because it usually happens way up in the back. It should be at least twenty feet above ground, where it has enough maturity, enough sunshine, and enough verticality of the vine to start flowering, but then when it flowers, then it can make the berries. And as you say, there's enough birds come around and think, oh, actually, it's so nice to us. You give us berries to eat, and they poof them out, and then you have English ivy sprouts on the other side of your house. You know what? I have a picture from September of last year of the flowers on English ivy. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to post that on Facebook for people that are like, what are they talking about? I've never seen that flower. I'm going to do that. You'd have to be 20 feet tall to do it, but you could. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely pointing the camera in the upward uh, upward yeah. direction. <laughs> I am I am only 5'4". So. <laughs> All right, find him, folks, at WalterReeves.com. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. So I didn't realize that Petite Le Mans was this weekend. There's a lot of outdoor events, and it's going to be chilly. You definitely want to dress appropriately. That freeze watch going into effect 10 o'clock tonight through 9 a.m. Sunday morning. So, yeah, if you haven't already, it's time to bring those plants in, protect them in any way that you can. 
The uh, weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Our meteorologist Christina Edwards saying sunny today and tomorrow, but highs only in the low to mid 50s and lows getting down close to freezing. Wind gusts today could reach 15 to 25 miles an hour. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right. Short and sweet, but these are a little more complicated than the ones last week. So number one, helpful pruning. Remove dead or damaged branches from shade trees while you can still see them. You can tell the difference with what's dead and has no leaves on it versus what still has leaves. So just much more difficult to... uh, See, once they all lose their leaves, they all look the same. So that would include branches of oaks, elms, pears, and other trees if you can safely get to them without being on some ridiculously tall ladder. Uh, number two, insects such as scale and whitefly, mealybugs, and even roaches. Ugh, try to hitch rides into your house as you bring in the plants from the outside. So it's just good to examine them closely before you bring them into your home and you bring the bugs too. Treat any problems you find while the plant's still outside. Insecticidal soap is good to have on hand. Uh, Don't apply to the plant when it's outdoors in direct sunlight, though. That can be damaging to the leaves. Neem oil is a good thing to do. So maybe do that today. Let the plant chill, but remember to bring it in before dark tonight. And number three, fill the bird feeders with black oil sunflower seeds. Make sure they're full anyways. The birds are really looking for energy and they need it now. But uh, birds find and eat seed and won't accidentally feed chipmunks and rats on the ground when some of the sunflower seeds fall. The oil sunflower has a high fat and protein content. That's a relatively thin shell, so that provides the energy birds need. And among seed ingredients, oil sunflower attracts the greatest variety of small and large seed-eating birds. So there you go. You're going to get a good variety of birds to your feeders. 404-872-0750 coming up. Nothing but your calls. And then delighted to have Premier Tree Solutions, ChopMyTree.com come along at 730. So we'll keep answering calls. And that's when I really want to gear it toward, uh, at the bottom of the hour, gear it toward tree health and questions you may have about transplanting a tree, doing some major work, maybe removing it, that kind of thing. Save those for 730. But my guests will be here with us for at least an hour. And you heard uh, Walter and I talk a little bit about pre emergent. And I keep saying better late than never. And we had a traffic trooper on hold that wanted to know, you know, a great fescue lawn didn't apply pre-emergent yet, though. The best offense is a good defense. The best defense is a good offense. I forget which way that goes, but nevertheless. So if you're treating the weeds, it's going to really help the health of your fescue and allow that to be really lush. So yeah, hadn't applied pre-emergent yet. You're still going to get effective control. You heard Walter say not hundred percent, but go ahead and do that. And Alan wrote me and said, you know, I know you're talking about pre-emergent, but since I laid down three bags of fescue seed, in early October, I thought I had to wait till maybe January or February to put the pre-emergent down. That is correct. I would not advise if you, you kind of do one or the other in the fall. So it's a great time to seed for fescue. I did it myself. So it's probably best to not do those things back to back, even if you wait eight weeks, even if you wait 12 weeks, that still may not be enough time. So Alan, a lot of the things that I've read say wait anywhere from maybe four months to a year. I think a year is a little extreme, um, but a spring application of pre-emergent is going to be really, really good. Get that out early. Like we may be thinking back to, I don't know, early March, late February, and then we'll have time to maybe do seed again in the spring if we need to come April. 404-872-0750. Coming up in hour number two of Green and Growing, nothing but your calls. I'm glad you're here with me on a Saturday morning, here with you until nine o'clock. You're listening to 95.5 WSB.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.